Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the 307 Podcast. I'm so fired up about today's episode with a uh, good friend of mine named Ian Thomas Lynch. A lot of you guys have heard about Ian uh, in the stories that I tell. And Ian was the young man that I ran the Bob's Big Timber Backyard Ultra, the last man standing race. That would have been in May of 2019. And that is where a lot of these mantras that we use today were born. And most especially the don't die in the chair mantra. So Ian, this was Ian's first endeavor into the ultra marathon world. And Ian ended up running over 100 miles that day on his first ultra. And we just really teamed up. We worked through these mantras. We learned a lot about ourselves and uh, Ian got to learn a lot about what he was actually capable of that day. And uh, he just talks through how the power of the spoken word and the power of people and the camaraderie that we had together and the brotherhood that we shared on that day pushed us beyond our perceived limits. So I hope you enjoy this episode. We're going to do a little housekeeping now. I've got Brooke here with me going to tell you about a couple of companies that have sponsored this show today um, that support 3 of 7 podcast and that we believe in and that we use in our own house on a day-to-day basis. Um, Anytime you hear a sponsorship on this show, uh, I can assure you it is for a product that we actually use. Um, I don't allow sponsors to come on that I'm not familiar with their product or I don't believe in their product. So the first sponsor we're going to talk about today is Natural Rapport. And you guys know we've got two dogs here in the house. They're our babies. We love them. We treat them as well as we possibly can, and we're very particular about what we feed them and the products that we use to take care of them. So Natural Rapport is a... um, is a pet almost they they make all different types of pet treats and uh, grooming products, uh, ear wipes. I mean, they've got a whole lineup, pretty much everything that you need to care for your animal, your partner. Um, they're all uncomplicated. Uh, they are gentle, safe, and effective. They use natural ingredients that are all made in the USA. So, uh, yeah, they just really hit the spot. And I want Brooke to tell you a little bit about her experience with uh, Natural Report products. Yeah, and, and Chad, he's accurate. I can attest to when a sponsor reaches out to us, Chad's response is, send me the product, I'll try it, and I'll get back with you. Um, that's always, we don't ever put an ad on the podcast before we try something. But this company in particular reached out to us, and we don't feed our dogs treats like I don't go to a big box store anywhere and buy treats for my dog I just as soon give them a piece of cheese or a piece of meat because everything's made in China and dogs wind up just dying from these treats that are have heavy metals or some crazy stuff but anyways the the treats from natural rapport I'm seriously about to order some more um the the freeze-dried liver and the, there's beef liver and chicken liver are their favorites, and we actually pour it on their food now. But the ingredient is just chicken liver or beef liver. 
Um, my dogs, Leonard especially, if you hand her a french fry, she turns up her nose. Um, they, I was trying to feed her a waffle last night. She wouldn't eat a waffle. But everything from Natural Rapport I've handed to these dogs, they've loved it. And no upset stomachs. Um, the chews are awesome. And then I finally used the shampoo two days ago. We had company over. had to wash the dogs. Yeah. And uh, it doesn't. It doesn't lather, which I was like, oh, gosh, this is not going to work. But I guess the lathering is chemicals, and it's very limited ingredient. The, the dogs were so clean. They smelled great. I I just I just love the products. I love all the products. Yeah, so we're a solid believer in this company for sure. They've been awesome. Um, so if you guys are interested in any Natural Rapport products, um, first of all, you can go to their website to order your products from Natural Rapport, that is just www.naturalrapport, that's N-A-T-U-R-A-L-R-A-P-P-O-R-T.com, naturalrapport.com. And uh, also, follow them on Instagram. They've got yes. some really cool pictures and posts no. up on their Instagram. If, so if, if you're an animal lover, especially a dog lover, you will be in love with their Instagram. Yep. So And that's just that Natural Rapport on Instagram. So... Thank you guys for uh, Natural Report. Thank you for sponsoring the podcast today. Um, our next sponsor is uh, pretty cool. It is called uh, Traveler. And so Traveler is a non-alcoholic sparkling water infused with all-natural hemp extract. So the CBD, it has about 20 milligrams of CBD per can. So the owner of Traveler is actually a good family friend of ours. And uh, they put a really a lot of time into producing a quality product and a quality brand. Um, I actually, I absolutely love this uh, sparkling CBD water. Look, guys, I don't know the science behind CBD, but I have been using it over the last uh, probably three months. And essentially for me, I use it in the evenings, probably about an hour before bed. And uh, I have seen a noticeable difference in the amount of time it takes me to get to sleep and the quality of sleep that I get. So, you know, that's just my own personal testimony with CBD. I, you know, like I say, I don't, I'm not, a, don't know the science behind it, but I know I am getting good feedback when using uh, this product. So I want to put it out there to you guys again. That's Traveler, um, and they can be purchased online. And their website is just TravelerCBD.com. That's T-R-A-V-E-L-L-E-R-C-B-D.com or at findyourtraveler.com. So uh, their CBD is sourced from hemp grown in Colorado. So this is stuff is grown in America, and they can ship this stuff to almost anywhere in the world. So if you guys enjoy using CBD, you want a good like non-alcoholic beverage in the evening with your dinner, has awesome flavor, awesome benefits, go check Traveler out. Follow them on Instagram at Traveler Sparkling H two O. All right, guys. Here is Ian Thomas Lynch. Hope you enjoy the episode. Enough said. I guess I, I'm gonna like digress a little bit and say real quick that 
you know, you can call me like smart or whatever, but when it comes to uh, running, I am about as simple as they come, you know, especially in those sorts of circumstances, you get so, I don't know, simplified down to just a couple core phrases. And, you know, I didn't need any more than that, you know? So if I was down to, to four or five different, uh, you know, sayings to myself, and one of them was, I will never quit. And that was who I was, you know, there was nothing really complicated about it. It was just, that was, that was the reality. Like, like you said, you know, we're gonna create this reality. Fired up to uh, get to have a chat with you, man. I've been missing you, brother. Dude, feeling is mutual. It's been too long. <laughs> yeah, man. There, uh, there's not, there's not many weeks that go by that I don't think about Ian Thomas Lynch at some point, brother. Well, yeah. I mean, it's been what fifty-two weeks now since we did our uh, <laughs> little mosey in the mud, as uh, it were. That's it, man. That's a good way to put it, brother. Well, hey, man. Welcome to the Three of Seven podcast, dude. Thank you, sir. It's an honor to be here. <clears throat> well, the honor's obviously all ours. Um, you know, Ian, I'm going to call you Ian. Uh, I, 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 I refer to you as Tom. You you go by Ian, though, right? No, nah, I, I actually go by Thomas, but it's a, it's a long story. I went by Ian for the first uh, 18 years of my life. You know, my parents still call me that. Yeah. Some, all my friends from high school still do. So, you know. Call me what you will. Well, I'm just gonna stick with Thomas then, man, because I was just trying to be formal, you know, uh, because uh, you know, I, we we never really got that straight out on the trail that day, you know. Um, so I, I've I've referred to you as Thomas so many times, brother, and you know, let me tell you, man. I mean, dude, whether you, I, I, dude, I know you're a, you're a super humble guy, and whether you like it or not, you're a legend, brother. I mean, you're, you. I don't know if I can accept that. Dude, your story that, um, it, and, and I, I just, first of all, I thank you for doing what you did and then allowing me to share my version of your story and your strength and, and, um, what you went through that day with the world, man, because your story has literally, impacted millions of people and it has become one of the the foundational stories that I use in order to portray these tools that you and I developed that day together like that day was like the ultimate foundation to then be able to go and portray these tools to the world and in turn help I mean, there's without a doubt, it's reached millions of people like no, no kidding. That's not that's not an overestimate. And that's why I'm so fired up about having you on here today, man. I was just reading through some comments from uh, that Rich Roll podcast that I did. Um, So that thing's got like thing's got like 320 or 30,000 views just on YouTube. And I'm re- I was looking at the comments today, just kind of reflecting, thinking about our interview and, you know, and, and there were a couple comments on there that said, I want to hear from Ian. I want to hear from Thomas. And like, so it's freaking awesome, brother. Um, so what you been up to, man? What, how, how's, how's life been treating you? What, what are you doing? Uh, what's going on with your, with your running and life and, I just want to catch up real quick, man. Sure. Uh, well, 
Ooh, where to start? So I live in uh, Coshocton, Ohio, which is kind of a rural area in the East Central uh, region. I'm a social worker for uh, county level children's services uh, agency. And uh, I've been doing that for about uh, two and a half years now. Um, things have been a little bit hectic with COVID. You know, we're still going out and making our home visits and doing what we got to do. Uh, but, you know, we got a strong team, um, which is really important. And uh, we're taking all the precautions we got to take, um, make sure children stay safe. Um, that keeps me pretty busy. Yeah. Um, I've got a couple uh, hobbies that I like to indulge myself in outside of running. Um, I'm still running. I uh, just actually came from a four mile run a little bit ago. Um, that's kind of my minimum. Um, and yeah. we can go into a little bit later as to why. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I, I, I don't know. I play a lot of chess. I, uh, I play piano. I read a lot. Um, yeah. These are my, my main pleasures. Well, you know, that's what um, that's I think that's one of the things that amazes me most about you, Ian, is that so you are you are a highly intelligent individual. Anyone that meets you is going to realize pretty quick that Ian is a highly intelligent individual, but he has a level of grit that is just freaking off the charts, man. Like this dude, not only can he play the piano, not only can he beat you in chess, not only does he live a life of service uh, as, you know, for, for the children that you guys take care of and, and look after, like you said, you do, you fill all these roles, man, but you also have this, this place that you can go, brother, that's like, all right, man, it's, it's time to get gritty, dude. And that is the epitome of the mantra, be hard when it gets hard, man. Come on, man. Oh, man. You know, your little uh, cliches, your wisdoms, uh, be hard when it gets hard and don't die in the chair. Um, you know, these are things that I have to say to myself every day. So, um, you know, these, uh, these things, they're with me all the time, you know, and... I don't know. I, I was just fortunate to be in the right place at the right time when, when our paths crossed. Um, but you know, I thank you. You said a lot of flattering things just now. Um, but you know, I'm just, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm just trying to be me. Uh, I, I don't know if, if that's really accurate or, um, a bit of an exaggeration, but you know, I'm just, I guess glad that this is primarily an audio medium because that way the listeners at home aren't going to be able to see me blushing from ear to ear. <laughs> Look, dude, that's what that's, but that's what makes it so awesome, dude, is you just, you, you, like you said, you are just trying to be you, you are just you, man. And that's, that's me too, dude. I mean, in the same way, I mean, it's just, um, we just live out our lives and, um, and we, uh, we've, we've been fortunate enough to learn some things along the way, uh, that allow us that have allowed us to, to help other people in a big way, man. And it's, gosh, it's just a blessing, man, for sure. Um, Absolutely. so, you know, man, I definitely, uh, for the listeners, uh, most of you guys have probably heard of Ian Thomas Lynch. Uh, we did, uh, the Bob's Big Timber Backyard Ultra Marathon last May, so May 2019. Um, we spent a lot of time together. This event was where these mantras were born. This don't die in the chair mantra. That's where this mantra was born. And, you know, Ian, um, that 
I, I mean, that was just, man, it was just set in stone that day. And, you know, we, we've been fortunate enough to sell thousands of those t-shirts with don't die in the chair that has resonated with so many people, man. And this is where it was born is, uh, is during that event. And, you know, I just, I, primarily for, for this episode, is I I've like I said I've told my version of it. I want to hear your story, Ian. Um, you know, you know whatever whatever you want to share, and we'll I mean we'll, I'll guide you through it. We'll talk through the whole thing, but you know it's just we're so blessed to have you on and to hear your side of it. So that day, man. First of all, what uh, I guess what was driving you to to sign up or enter? and go attempt this last man standing race, dude. Uh, well, that's, that's an interesting place to start. Um, cause, uh, there were a lot of circumstances that conspired to get me to that starting line. You know, not all of it was, uh, you know, my, my own, uh, will, but, uh, you know, once I finally hit that submit button and, uh, you know, paid the entry fee, it was game on. I mean, I, there was nothing I wanted more than to, to hit that goal of a hundred miles. I didn't really think I had any chance of, of winning. Um, and that's, that's not really what I was after. You know, it was a very personal goal for me, but it was very important at the same time. Um, I guess, uh, you know, how I ended up, uh, signing up for the race. I've got this friend, uh, his name's Chris Pratt and he's not famous. Uh, but, um, we went to high school together and, uh, we ran cross country together and uh we've sort of stuck in touch a little bit more than a lot of my other high school friends um i i lived in uh chicago for about seven years after high school and then came back home to ohio um it's more or less where i'm from and uh you know he was still here at that time too so we'd get together and run and and uh you know shoot the breeze uh but we had uh our cross country coach from high school, uh, Kevin Beachy, who was a competitor in this race as well. Yep. Um, is actually, uh, his dad, well, step or no, uh, father-in-law who was, uh, running this thing, Bob Hunter. Um, okay. and so, um, you know, Beachy and I, we go back, um, we've always kind of had a bit of a, a rivalry and, uh, it, it's all in good fun because he's always been a much better runner than me. Um, but I always aspired to to beat him. And when I got back uh, to to Ohio after college, I had just come off a, a season of uh, cross country and track. And uh, I was kind of in the best shape of my life at that time. So I thought I'd uh, make a go at it. And uh, we had run um, a half marathon against each other in uh, nearby New Philadelphia and he got first and I got second and it was just like, ah, I still, I still can't beat him, you know, but he's, he's a, he's a friend. Um, anyway, getting back to Chris, um, he's like, you know, Beach is going to be doing this thing. And he knows that I've got like this deep seated, like drive to, to kind of, um, you know, take it to Beachy in a way. And I was like, Oh, all right. I, I still know, man, a hundred miles. That's, that's just like so much suffering, you know, I, I don't even know if, uh, if that's something that I, I could reasonably, uh, commit to. And he's like, no, I'm not going to do it without you. And 
we're staring at our phones and like just and reading over this thing and we're like are we really going to do this we already kind of knew that we were going to do it um and uh you know we both ended up just signing up right then and i think that was still about like two months before the race um so that's when the training started and i didn't really overdo it on the mileage i think you know i i had been coming off of back injuries uh and uh didn't really want to risk doing more than 30 miles a week. Um, so, you know, my minimum run was, was four miles. Um, cause I, I knew that that had to be, you know, that, that chunk that I had to be able to say, I can do this, you know, at any given point. Um, and that, that more or less took me to race day. That's amazing, brother. And, you know, so you guys sign up for this thing. What, so what was it, about the the hundred miles because it's like dude you know you you were not an ultra runner it you were yeah i mean you you did track right so you had you had speed you had those ingredients you had uh, you had form but you I got, yeah i gotta correct you there too because <laughs> <laughs> i never really had speed you know uh when i was in in fifth grade i uh I wanted to do like hundred meters. I, I loved the the feeling of of going as fast as I could and winning. But you know, by the time I had seventh grade, um, you know, people started catching up to me. I pretty much did all my growing by the time I was uh, you know twelve years old, and uh, eventually people started coming up to my height, and that was uh, a bit of an eye opener for me. And you know, I, I realized that I didn't have what you know they call fast switch muscles. You know, I was just destined for distance in a way. Um, and I was fortunate enough, I guess, also to have this gym, uh, teacher in, in fifth grade, we were, um, we had to decide which, uh, events we were going to do for track and field day. And I did, uh, the cross country, uh, event, which for fifth graders was like maybe a thousand meters, you know, it was nothing. Um, but it killed all of us. And I think I got like 12th out of 25 that first year uh definitely middle of the pack and we thought we were dying but but i had kind of gotten the bug right there um next year i i trained more for it and i got second and uh the guy that got first he didn't end up going out for cross country but i kind of got recruited for that and that's when my distance running career began um was kind of in seventh grade with cross country and i had a, a decent career in high school with running. That was, uh, that was where it all began for me. Um, but you know, still like with, with the hundred, with the hundred mile distance, I mean, that's a, so there's usually a, a significant progression up to that distance. I mean, hundred miles. I mean, you're talking about most people are going to run marathons for a few years. Then they're going to do dabble in some 50 Ks. Then they're going to probably do one fifty miler and think, Oh my gosh, how can I, how can I possibly double this distance? I know that's the progression that I went through, you know, my first 50 miler. I'm like, how could I ever possibly double this distance? But for you not coming from, from, any any experience with with ultra distance what what was going through your head man when you picked that when you set that 100 mile standard for yourself dude what i mean how did you come to that conclusion and set that goal for yourself what where did that number come from brother cuz you you could have you could have said 20 miles you could have said 50 miles you could have said 30 in this race you can set your standard wherever you want it you know what i mean i think the belt had a big 
thing to do with it. You know, I'm actually sitting right in front of my uh, my belt buckle right now. Heck yeah, um, brother! And uh, I I really wanted that piece of of metal, but not necessarily for just like the material object uh, ness of it, but but for um, I don't know. It symbolizes that you know you can you can stick it out um, and put mind over matter because that's what it's going to take. Um, and, you know, I, I think I had also been kind of, a, I don't know, I've been messing with people for a long time because I had, uh, you know, all this, um, like, decent training in for years, um, but I didn't want to run more than, like, 22 miles at a time because I was under this impression that was actually bad for you, you know, um, to, to do that to your body. Um, and uh, I, I don't know, I mean, with with a race like this, it, it doesn't matter. You know, you talk about putting ourselves in uh, self-inflicted adversity. And, uh, that was exactly what I was prepared to do that day. I believe that brother. I believe that man. And for the listeners, for the buckle that Ian's talking about for this race in particular, if you got to a hundred miles, um, everyone, everybody that got to that hundred mile mark, we got a, um, a silver belt buckle, and uh, if you didn't make the 100-mile mark, you did not get the buckle. So that's what he's talking about. And it was a, it was a really cool um, thing to, to get that buckle at the end of that race. And uh, Bob, put, Bob puts on an awesome event, man. It was, it was absolutely amazing. But um, So, all right, you've got this goal for yourself, 100 miles. We show up, dude. I'm this I'm this old dude from Georgia above the Mason Dixon line up there with all you guys in Ohio. I don't even know which. I, I mean, you know, and so back then for me too, Ian. Like I had just, I think I had just gotten out of the Navy, and um, I had no I had no message. I had no I didn't have. I, I didn't have any of any platform. I didn't have anything, man. Uh, when it comes to that, you know, the the space that I'm in now, and uh, it was brand new. You know, that that was a brand new experience for me to be able to develop these tools. And so we go, we we tow the line, we start the race, man, and you and I eventually end up um, linking up and just having some small talk, dude. Do you do you remember that moment? Because I kind of distinctly remember it. I mean, what I remember is um, we were on our second loop, and uh, I think I found you kind of taking a pause and uh, appreciating the scenery uh, a little bit off the trail. Yeah, and you know, you, you got your spandex right. You came back to the trail and. And uh, we just kind of happened upon each other. And I think you had complimented my mustache at the time, which was uh, <laughs> was part of my, uh, I don't know, like, hmm, I don't know what the word is. I, I just wanted all these little extra um, good luck charms, you know, in a way. And I'd always <laughs> idolized Steve Prefontaine and some of the other, like, you know, famous mustachioed runners uh, from, like, you know, more contemporary times like Noah Drotti or, uh, you know, Craig Engels, um, you know, these guys are, are dope and they're running with mustaches. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to catch that vibe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we, we caught up and, you know, you were, uh, giving me a nice uh, compliment on my mustache. And I was like, you know, I, that means a lot coming from you because your beard is, is glorious and it's so red and it's just so vibrant, you know? And so we're giving each other, 
some some nice compliments about our hair. And uh, I don't know. I think we also made some comments about how uh, you know everybody else seemed to be in such a hurry, you know. And we were running like you know fifty to fifty five minute loops uh, of four point one miles, um, and and that was definitely our strategy uh, going in at the beginning. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't know. I I, I can't really. You know, I remember where it, it it went from there. I mean, you had identified yourself as a Navy SEAL, and uh, I was just kind of really, um, you know, impressed by that uh, that history and and uh, you know all the toughness that that entailed. So, well, uh, I mean, I mean, I feel like I feel like we really that like I can distinctly remember that first moment seeing you out on the race, man, and. I don't know. I could I could see in you that that you were definitely um, that you were definitely humble. I mean, you're more you you were the first impression was that you were kind of more the quiet type. Um, you weren't too serious at all. But I it, I think it was just a, 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 that humbleness that you have. But and I could also tell that you were in this thing uh, for the long game, and um, I could just see it in your eyes, man. I could see the just the hunger in your eyes. And, you know, I think that's a big reason why, you know, I connected with you more so than anybody else on that race course. Um, even, even the guys that were left there at the very end, um, I just, you and I just established that connection almost immediately. And, um, we carry on throughout this race, brother. And, and I want to know from you, Ian, when, when for you did it get, start getting hard like when did it become real brother do you, it was there a distinctive moment where that switch flipped and you were like holy smokes what have i got myself into it's hard to say at this point you know so much of it has kind of been probably blocked out like a traumatic memory yeah <laughs> but uh no i what i what i do remember is that we hit the 50 mile mark and i genuinely felt great you know i had no pain I was well hydrated and, and had eaten all the necessary food. I wasn't really going through through any problems. And I was amazed that I had gone that far and still hadn't any signs or symptoms of, of wear and tear. Um, probably once it got dark, things started to get, you know, more figuratively dark uh, for me, you know, mentally. Um, but, uh, you know, you would you probably bought me some time on that one too, in a way, because I had anticipated some of these uh, concerns or, or problems and, and you had already given me some, some messages to, to, to recite. You know, I asked you, I remember early on, because I told you pretty, you know, like early that I wanted to run a hundred and you're like, oh, you can do that. You know, yeah, hundred. that's, that's when the race begins, you know? And I was like, well, I don't know about that, but you know, I, I'd certainly like to, to do that and uh now nah, i asked you about you know what about the night you know what do you do and you're like the night is your friend you know and everything that i was saying like what am i going to do in in this instance you were like oh, don't worry about that that's going to be fine you know and i just started you know saying that kind of stuff to myself you know like oh, it's, it doesn't matter you know if you feel like a little you know pain like that it's not it's not important you know it's not there yeah i feel great 
Yep. You feel better than I felt when I started. This <laughs> I love it, man. And I just, so I just read your, uh, I got on Instagram and I read your post that you made after the race while you were recovering. And that was one of those mantras that I think really, really resonated uh, with both of us that day, man, is, is it doesn't matter. And um, I mean, you just hit the nail on the head, dude, with, with what that actually means and how we learned that that day is, um, you know, yeah, it, it, it might be dark. It might be muddy. It might be, we, we might be absolutely exhausted, but man, we're going to recover. We, you know, when all this is over and we're back at home on our couch with our feet kicked up, um, all those things that we experienced and all that discomfort that we, uh, put ourselves through truly, it, it really didn't matter in the scheme of things. And no. yeah, and I just I just feel like that's something now that you know you and I can take that now throughout the rest of our lives uh, when when life happens and we get in those situations, man, where it, it is uncomfortable, it is uncertain, as uh, similar to the situation that we're in now as as society. Um, you know, we are gonna bounce back from this, bro. I mean, this scenario right here is is is, a, is you can compare all these things back to the lessons that we learned that day on the trail, dude. It's like we are strong. We are we are. Uh, you know, uh, uh, there's so many awesome people out here in the world that are left that are hungry for positivity, that are hungry to um, accomplish their goals, start businesses, whatever it may be. We're gonna bounce back, man. And what's going on right now? It really doesn't matter. It's not something that we need to be fearful of. Um, it's not something that we need to, uh, to to lose sleep at night over, man, because we're going to push forward. And that's what we did that day at Bob's, man. Um, dude, and for me too, brother, when when the night hit and, man, it that, that, um, that rain, that cold rain started coming down, dude, and that dang road from our little tent site, going out to the road that you know the night section absolutely that, yeah. that joker was rough man mm, yeah it was like four or six inches of what i think you called foot sucking mud <laughs> dude that was a tough track man and you know for me ian um or thomas my bad bro for, for me thomas uh that um i can i can remember man the con we had a conversation on that little stretch right there where we talked to each other and we said, you know what, man, we're going to, we're going to start telling each other, I will never freaking quit. Um, we had that conversation and I, and I, I remember talking to you about it, man. And, uh, you know, that was a bold statement for us to make in that moment. <laughs> Especially, oh my goodness, Dude. I'm sure you can say stuff like that because you're you're familiar with the power of the spoken word. Um, but, you know, for me, that was something that I, I did have to kind of uh, come around to, you know, at least in those 30, 45 seconds where I was like, oh, this doesn't feel right. But then, you know, it was Chad saying it, you know, it was it was someone that I had put my trust in and uh, had sort of trusted as as a guru, someone that was going to guide me through this thing. Um, and so, yeah, I was I was prepared to do pretty much anything you told me to do if it was going to, you know, get that that job done. Well, you know, and, and that's 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 right, brother. I mean, it was it was a, a bold statement because when you make a statement like that, 
uh, whether it's in a race or whether it's in in life period or relationship, whatever it is, when you make that statement out loud in front of your peers, um, I will never quit. Uh, you know, you have some accountability there. You know, there's some account- accountability involved with that statement, brother. But, dude, you rogered up, and uh, I can't I can't count the amount of times that you and I passed each other that night going back and forth and us yelling out to each other, I will never freaking quit. Like, we would yell it out with conviction, dude. And... um and so what what did that what did that statement do for you Ian when you would actually when you would make that affirmation when you would speak that out loud dude cuz and again in that post that's another thing I think that you mentioned in there is that simple statement I will never quit what did that do for you and what does that mean to you now man okay um well, it, it sort of goes back to, you know, those statements that I've been saying at the beginning of the race where I'm saying, you know, I feel fine. I feel great. And, you know, if there's a, a dull pain or something like that, then I'll, I'll say, well, no, it doesn't matter. But, you know, if I'm going to say I will never quit, you know, I, I guess I, I'm going to like digress a little bit and say real quick that, you know, you can call me like smart or whatever, but when it comes to uh, running, I am about as simple as they come, you know, especially in those sorts of circumstances, you get so, I don't know, simplified down to just a couple core phrases. And, you know, I didn't need any more than that, you know? So if I was down to to four or five different, uh, you know, sayings to myself, and one of them was, I will never quit. And that was who I was. You know, there was nothing really complicated about it. It was just, that was, that was the reality. Like, like you said, you know, we're going to create this reality. Oh my and, gosh. That's powerful, bro. Um, so, but I guess what was special about, I will never quit is that it, it did kill off the last of my, um, I don't know, like, uh, my vanity in a way, at least in that moment. Cause you know, I don't want people looking at me like, Oh, look at this guy making a, a nuisance of himself. You know, like what's he doing out here? You know? And you like, I remember this was one of our later laps. You got up uh, to the starting line right before they rang the bell. And you were like, are you warriors ready to play? And uh, you know, I was part of the like half or two thirds of us that said, yeah, you know, exhaustedly. Yeah. And then, I think Olivier, who ended up winning the race, not to like spoil the ending or anything, um, he ended up saying like, I don't want to play. You know, <laughs> that dude was a machine, bro. He was, yeah. But uh, I mean, we were we were just having a good time. It didn't matter how much it hurt. Totally, brother. And so have you now, as far as that that simple statement, man, that was born for both of us in that moment in that furnace of adversity do you do you see a, a place for that now in your everyday life um and, and have you been able to use that uh basically that mentality uh you know from from when that race ended now you know throughout the rest of your your, your um your goals man oh absolutely yeah i think it's got a bunch of different applications outside of running you know you can I mean, if you're going to tell yourself, I will never quit, you know, that's going to get you a really long way. You know, it's, it's really hard for me to, to resign. Um, 
you know, if, if I'm after something, whether it be in work or whether it be <laughs> to the annoyance of my competitors uh, in like a chess game and I've got a losing position, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Quit, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know there's always a chance. Um, so uh, no, and, and yeah, my, my other more kind of uh, vague, aspirations you know like becoming a, a better piano player or, or writing something that will be interesting to other people you know like these are the types of things that that kind of steal my resolve you know sometimes I love it, man. running you can still say pretty simple things you know when i was in high school i i had a couple simple phrases but they were generic it was like you know keep it up or you're almost there you know I'm cheering on somebody at a race that I, that's what I would say because it, it more or less worked for me but it's not as good as I would never quit it's know? definitive yeah that yeah yeah that, especially it out loud that so that was my next question for you Ian I, I want to know from your perspective man do you think that 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 statement would have would have held the same power and given us the same results if we would have just thought it to ourselves no I, I knew that accountability was a big part of what was going to get me there. You know, if I didn't have anyone outside of, of my legs and the voices in my head, you know, then I was probably going to quit at some point. But, you know, by saying that out loud into the world, you know, I, you got to live up to that role, you know, that people see you as, you know, this yeah. is the guy that's going crazy. He's goofy enough to, not know when's the right time to quit, you know. Um, and uh, yeah, he's he's clearly he's clearly gonna either run until he drops, and I, I don't know when that's gonna be. Um, sorry to talk about myself in person. No, I love it, man. I love it, and I I gotta I gotta get you to um to just I just want you to walk me through. I guess that that nighttime, man. I want to get from you kind of what what were the low points for you man and uh because that was a rough rough night i mean it was cold it was nasty it was muddy we we got full benefit that night brother um yeah any low points for you man and and kind of any other tools that you use to to get through that dark nasty night man well i i think there's more to say about accountability in a way here too because you know, there were a couple people that I had disclosed my intention of running a hundred miles to before running. I really kind of kept that under wraps. I wanted to be really nonchalant about it. Um, so I had told my family a while before, but they didn't really, I guess, understand the the gravity of, of running a hundred miles. So like, Oh, this is a guy that runs distant races, you know, like it's, it's just what he does. So th they weren't really making a big deal out of it, which was good. Um, and then I, uh, I was actually in your, uh, former neck of the woods. I was in Richmond, uh, visiting a couple friends, um, my good friend, Madison and, and her husband, Josh. And I told them this was probably like a week out. And I was like, yeah, I, I'm going to, you know, try to run a hundred miles. And again, you know, being fairly nonchalant about it, but you know, I, I wanted, I wanted to in a way do it for them. Like I didn't want to let them down. Um, and then uh, right before run the race on that Saturday, uh, I was leaving work on a Friday and I just, you know, I was talking with the clerical staff uh, um, in the office and they were like, 
you know, what are you doing this weekend, Thomas? And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm in this race. I'm going to try to run 100 miles. And they were like, what? You know, and I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm like, no big deal. Um, and so that was kind of the list of the people that I had told, you know, but I, I, I needed to have it out there in the world that, that people were either going to be like, oh, yeah, he did it. Like he said, he was going to do it. Or they were going to say, oh, he quit, you know, at least to themselves, you know. So that was, that was definitely part of what was keeping me accountable out there. But I guess getting back to your question about, you know, what were the low points uh, during the night? Um, I, you know, in a way, there weren't any that were so bad that I really felt like I was in danger of uh, not going out on another loop. You know, I was very uh, intentional and uh, I planned pretty well for all of the different things that could go wrong. Um, I had ibuprofen and, and caffeine in my tent. I had a sufficient uh, number of clothing items that I could change into, though by the time we, we hit that 24 hour mark, I was certainly running low on, on serviceable shoes and socks. So we were running to the end of my supplies, but I had uh, enough to get to 24 hours, except for uh, a headlamp, um, which this is kind of an interesting uh, little part, I guess, that answers your question directly. Yeah. I got this really nice headlamp, right? But it wasn't really like a runner's headlamp. It was more like a, like a, I don't know, like a mining headlamp or something. It was super bright. And I, I don't know, it, it seemed like a good headlamp, but I had been using it for like, I don't know, five, six laps. And then it goes out in the middle of the loop. And without saying anything, you know, you come up from like, I don't know, maybe like 30 feet behind or, or ahead. And you don't even address it, but you ran stride for stride with me for the rest of that loop, you know, just like being there. And I think what you did talk about, you had showed me, um, you know, the fallen seal that was on your wrist coach yep. told me their, their data sacrifice. And that was another thing that we haven't brought up yet, but that, that really also helped, you know, putting that into perspective for, you know, what, what are we doing here? You know, we're, we're just going to suffer a little bit and we're going to be absolutely fine. Yeah. You know, these guys gave everything. So, you know, it's giving me chills for just now, just thinking about that, you know? So, you know, that really helped as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that, um, I, I, I do remember that lap with you, Thomas, and, and I, that actually wasn't in the forefront of my memory until you just mentioned it. But now I can distinctly recall it, uh, us doing that lap together, us having that conversation, man. And, um, you know, another thing too, Thomas, is you talk about that accountability. So basically, um, you didn't go and blast this goal out on social media and everywhere else. You told the people that mattered to you. And, and, you know, I can really resonate with that brother, because when, when I decided I wanted to become a seal, um, I did the exact same thing that you did, dude. I went and I told my family and then I told a select few friends, uh, that mattered to me. And that was all that I, that was the only people that I expressed my intentions to, um, basically that I wanted to go and try to become a seal. And, you know, I think that's important. That's an important, uh, takeaway right there, man, for, for people that are out there that, that have these goal, these massive goals, these aspirations, um, you don't have, you're not obligated to go blast these things out to the world. As a matter of fact, I think that that's poor form. 
to to do that. Um, I think that the process is like just like Ian said he did. As you go and tell you tell the people that matter, and that is enough to hold you accountable um, when it gets really really tough. Um, and and you know that's just a to me that's an awesome takeaway, brother. I gotta ask you, man. You said you were running low on supplies, and uh, I have to to ask you about the freaking track shoes you were wearing for like <laughs> half the night, dude. Like, dude, you would you would come by me or we would pass each other and all I would hear is click, 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 click. You Honestly, got what was going on, brother? I only think I did that for like one of the night loops, but <laughs> it was well, time, time gets distorted. Those worked pretty well. Um, no, that's an interesting story because I hadn't used those since I was like 16, 17 years old, you know, and yeah. they were pretty good form. Um, but yeah, no, the first time I, I took those out, we were still running the trail. Um, so I, I think, you know, just to, to back up, we did uh, the first, how many was it? You know, it was more than 12, I think. It may have been, it may have been 13 or 14. Yeah. yeah, Cause 12 or 13, 14 um, loops on the the regular trail. And then right before it got dark, we switched to uh, the road portion of the course, which was simpler, but kind of less interesting. You know, it was flatter, which was nice. um, But it had this long section that we've already mentioned uh, you know, from the start line to maybe the first, like, I don't know, 1,000, 1,200 meters that were just like, you know, terrible mud. Oh, yeah. Um, and I figured, you know, if I put those spikes back on, then, you know, I, I'm going to get through that fine, you know, because I, I, did, I didn't like, I just, I, I didn't like having to, to drag my feet through that, you know, it felt like going through quicksand. I there was no running. Feet. There was no running in yeah. that period. No. So, uh, that I, you know, I thought it would work, and I didn't really mind it. You know, on the road, it wasn't that bad. So. You, you cracked. I, mean, I, I switched back to regular shoes. I think after that, dude, I got such a laugh out of that man because you know, I I knew, I, obviously, I knew that you were, um, you you weren't a, a seasoned ultra runner. Um, that this was your kind of your this was your first endeavor into an ultra distance race. And I was like, uh, when I heard you come by me in those track shoes, I was like, man, this dude is in trouble. I love him to death, but this dude is in, he's out here in track shoes, man. And I got the biggest laugh out of that. And I don't, I think that's just so epic. I don't think I've ever seen that anywhere else before. And uh, I don't know. I just had to mention that because I can distinctly remember those clicks going down that road, man. And, um, so yeah, man, we get we we grind out through the night, brother. And again, we're yelling these mantras out. I will never quit. And um, the uh, this the we we get toward the end of the night, and we had reached our. We'll, we'll just skip up forward it, it, to the to the twenty four hour mark, man. Um, and. So this, essentially, this race is where Don't Die in the Chair was born, like I said earlier. And Thomas and I had talked to each other about that mantra, and we had almost, you know, made that made that promise to each other that we wouldn't die in the chair. And um, you hit your goal, man. 
You hit your 100 miles, dude. The sun's up. It's a glorious moment. And you actually beat me on that last lap by a long shot because I remember coming and sitting. No, that's not true. Well, we came in together. Did we come in together on that you last one? Up me. Yeah. You okay. Up. I went flying out the gate, though. Okay. Okay. That, and uh, partially because I was starting to break down already. Um, you know, I was uh, 23 laps in and coming in off that loop. And uh, I, I just started like getting these little like choke sobs, like, you know, because I think it was starting to dawn on me that that I had basically done it, you know, that there yeah. was no turning back. Like I finally, I finally knew that I was going to get there you know, yep. that there was nothing that was really going to stay. You know, I've been saying this thing, but I'm never going to quit. And, and maybe a part of me didn't really believe it, you know, but when, when I got that close, it started to overwhelm me with joy. And I think also just running like, that long and and doing an all-nighter like that you're gonna lose control of your um you know uh, emotions to a certain extent but um no i bet that 24th loop i think we i know i went out hard but i'm pretty sure you caught up with me right away and we more or less ran the whole thing together well you know and my so my my memory of it thomas was uh coming and i sat down in my chair with with my crew in my area and i kind of look back i want to say it was over my right shoulder and there you are man you're you're in your chair and it's like you just have this look on your face of just man i just did it like i'll never forget your face man when i look back and saw you and you had accomplished your goal of of a hundred miles dude and um how i mean you you kind of you kind of told us how that that felt and you know how that does bring up those those emotions and you kind of just are able to let loose man but then uh then i i i challenged you dude uh and I mean, you, you did one of you you did one of the most amazing you you showed one of the most amazing feats of strength and grit that I have ever witnessed in my entire life, man. No, here's what was going through my head. I come off that 24th loop and I rip off my DNF tag, the the do not finish tag immediately. And I'm, I'm already breaking down. You go straight to your tent. So you don't see any of this. Yeah. And I give it to, I gave it to Bob, the race director and you know, I, I have nothing to say because I can't really get words out um, at that moment. And he just gives me a hug and takes what he was calling the scalp and puts it on his ring. And at that point, I, I've i done this this thing like uh, I didn't even really realize that I had done it because I had I, I'd gone back on on our promise and. It, it dawned on me that I had, I was so happy and elated and, and in a lot of pain, but you know, I had done this thing to Chad and I was like, Oh no, what have I done? You know? So I had to go <laughs> and tell you. Um, and so I get to your tent and you are asleep or you look asleep. You got something over your face yeah. and your two crew uh, members. I know one was Brandon and yeah. the other, it's like, 
they're standing over you at guard. And I think they, they rang the first of, of two bells, uh, which was like the three minute warning. And, uh, and so they wake you up and you look over and it was over your right shoulder. You see me there and uh, I'm, I'm getting ready to say, Chad, I'm sorry. But, you know, I think Brandon had to first give that speech of, uh, you know, I, I forget what his name was. Um, someone who had, had sacrificed himself uh, or, or who had uh, lost. Yeah. Um, yeah. One of our fallen brothers. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Um, and I didn't know how to follow that. And I, I, I had to break it somehow. So I said, you know, Chad, I love you. It, yeah. You, this has been one of the best experiences of my life. Um, thank you. But I, I'm done. And and that was when you said, you know, no, you're not Thomas. And you're still like groggy too. I remember you being like, no, you're not. You know, you're just like shaking your head, waking up. <laughs> and you're like, you don't die in the chair. We die on the trail. And, uh, and I was like, okay. You know, so we, yeah, I got up and we both, we towed the line. And I, I know in the back of my mind, I was wondering like, is Bob going to let me get out of this gate? You know, but he did. You know, when I was running with you and it's like everything in my body had shut down. <laughs> I, yeah. it, was like, it, it was a beautiful morning and I was in so much pain, but I was going to go as long as, as I could. You know, I was like, you were right, Chad, you know, let's, let's keep doing this. And fortunately you, you finally said, you know, all right, you know, you're done. Dude. Go back. And that is when I really lost it. I was like, <laughs> dude. Oh, so man. I love your your version of that story, man. I love those little details that you possess in your own mind and your own memory that that I have, you know, that that I don't have. That makes that moment that brings it back and makes it so real to me, man. I absolutely love that, and. um yeah, I mean that that again you had reached your goal. You had let your guard down at that point. I mean and 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 that's a that's a crazy thing how the body works, man. It's like when you set these goals for yourself and then and then you reach them and then you kind of turn it off, that is when the everything just floods in, dude. Like you say, you start feel you you let all that all that pain and all that discomfort and all that fatigue, you just let it happen at that point. You you, you no longer are, are staving it off. So, you know, that moment, dude, that you got up, back up out of that chair, and I, I knew what you were going through because, I mean, I had felt that in my own life, you know, at the end of these races when you, you do cross the finish line and then everything just floods you in and, and it's overwhelming. So I knew exactly what you were experiencing. And that's why that action that you took to not die in the chair, uh, that is why it is so significant. And I don't think a lot of people can understand the strength and the grit and the tenacity that it took for you to, to rise up out of that chair um, to maintain that that promise that we had made to one another and just to run that last whatever it was four five hundred six hundred meters together man and then um 
at, you know, I look over at you and you, you, you kept your promise and you just had shown me a, a magnificent, uh, uh, feat there. And dude, when we parted ways, was that not a freaking powerful moment, dude? Oh man, I was so sad. That was the bittersweet part of it is that, you know, I'm still, I'm pleased I'm I'm hurting and I feel like in a way I'm letting you down in a way because I wanted to be there with you to go the rest of the way to, to see how far you were going to go. And I, I felt like in a way that I, I had died, you know, maybe out on the battlefield. Yep. Or the trail. Yep. Um, I don't want to use your terms because I'm not a seal. No, man, it's, it's the battlefield of life, dude. Life is, life is a battlefield. And, and it's the same with these races, man. People, people always talk about and think about, well, how hard it was to be a seal and how hard seal training was. But dude, Thomas, you know, this brother, you know what, you know, what's the the hardest thing on earth, the hardest was something that's harder than seal training, harder than running a hundred miles. It's life itself, man. Life is a battlefield, and these things that we go and these goals that we set for ourselves, brother, these are missions, man. That race for you and I, that was a that was a mission, dude. And uh, and we went out on that mission, and we both of us chose to die out there on the battlefield of that race course, man. But but when it started, it was it was my mission, you know. When yeah. I hit that starting line, it was my mission. But by the time we got into the darkness we did it together and it, it wasn't my mission anymore and that's why i felt so sad you know when yeah. i was in your tent giving you that that disappointing news that i was done you know i felt like you know i was betraying our mission because it had changed at that point and that's why i felt so so like a like a judas you know like what have i done you know like you know i hear i got to go back to you and say it was me you know that i was the one that quit and you're like, we don't die in the chair. And I was like, you know, absolutely right. You know, so I'm going to follow you to, to hell and back. You know, <laughs> you're like, like any, uh, any captain I used to have for my, my cross country teams. Actually, I'm thinking of, uh, Henry blood was my, uh, cross country captain at, uh, at U Chicago. And they said that of him a couple of times that we'd follow him to, to hell and back. And in a way that was, that was immediately the, the way that I had latched on to you was like, this guy's going to take me there, but, but it wasn't about me at that point. It was like, you know, it was, it was us. It was what we were doing together. Um, it really was, man. And that's dude, that is, that's a, that is just a freaking solid point right there, Ian. It became, because same for me, uh, at the beginning of that race, it was my mission, but it all of a sudden it became our mission. I mean, you couldn't have said it any better. And that's, and that's what the brotherhood is, man. That is the brotherhood. Um, you know, people think about, well, why are, why are people like you and I, um, you and I could see each other from this point forward. We could see each other, dude, when we are 80 years old, Lord willing, we make it that long on some street in, in Ohio or wherever we are in the world. And we would immediately connect and hug each other's necks and catch up on lost time because now we have forged this brotherhood 
because all of a sudden we decided to go out and this mission became our mission. It's the same thing that happened in the SEAL teams, man. That's how the brotherhood is formed is during these uh, these furnaces of adversity, you go through them and, and if man, if you can team up uh, with someone else and make that all of a sudden make that a a joint mission, make that a joint operation, it becomes so much more powerful, dude. And that's just, that is where the brotherhood's formed, man. That's what happened that day. And that specific, you, you put it so eloquently, man, when you talked about the the emotions that you were experiencing um, there at the end, brother. But, um, I mean, that that's, uh, I, 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 you, you just really brought it all back to me, man. And I love it, man. I love it. And, I want to hear, uh, Thomas. What what's next for you, brother? I mean, what what um what are you what are you going to do next? What is your next mission? What do you what do you have on your mind to to challenge yourself once again on a high level? Because you've got what it takes. You got what it takes. So I know you got something on your mind, man. Honestly, I don't know. I I sort of let these things come to me. There's not really one race in particular that, that I'm after right now. So uh-huh. if Bob comes back, I will probably be there. Uh-huh. Uh, um, I don't know. Uh, there are a lot of good races I'd like to do. Um, but yeah, there's there's nothing really on the horizon for me just yet. Um, well, if, if there's uh, what, another, sorry, go ahead. What's the deal? What is the deal with Bob's right now? Thomas, because I'd like to come back too, and I know you probably got more insight on it than I do. Have you heard any any word on it? Um, I I think they are putting it off, um, but I'm not exactly sure when it would be scheduled next. Okay, all right, sweet. Well, um, I like you. Uh, I have a very similar style, and I think that you, I think that you and I will find throughout our lives that uh, people like us. Uh, a lot of the things about us are very similar, and I like, I like to let these missions come to me too, man. Uh, I try not to plan things out too far in advance. I try to really listen to my body and see where I'm at in life from a mental standpoint. And I think, you know, you and I, brother, I think that we know ourselves well enough that we know when we get to a place, we're conscious when we get to a place where we know we need to challenge ourselves again. Um, right. You know, when maybe maybe we haven't used those tools in a long time, that, that it doesn't matter, that I won't die in the chair, that I will never freaking quit. And, and see, those tools, man, if we don't use them, you know this as well as I do, they start to get dull. And you, you, right. you start to forget how powerful they actually are. And then uh, w- as long as you're conscious of that, see, we don't have to beat ourselves up on a daily basis. We'd be hard when it, we're hard when it gets hard, man. Like you don't have to do this stuff every single day, but you have to remain conscious of that and say, okay, my tools are getting a little dull and uh, I need to put an edge back on the, on these things. And um, I know that when you get to that point, uh, you're going to be back out there, brother. And I can't wait to see what you do next, man. I mean, I, I just, I love following you. I wish you'd post more on Instagram, dude. Sorry. Yeah, I know. It's been months, I think. But no, I, I think, you know, I, I try to maintain a base level of fitness. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not really seeking out any particular mission at this time. But I will let you know. 
know. Yeah, keep us posted, man, for sure. And where tell us too, Thomas, where can people find you and follow you on uh on Instagram, man, and uh reach out to you and uh I, uh and and just connect with you, man. Well, uh my Instagram is Ian Thomas Lynch. I think that's it's just my name. So nice and simple. I love it. Um, yeah, no, I, I actually in answer to your earlier question, I think maybe the revenant. You know, <laughs> let's do it, dude. Let's do it. Hey, man, you would you would absolutely love it. And uh, if you decide, seriously, dude, if you decide you want to do the Revenant, um, I would be honored to fly out there with you in 2021 and uh, and work together on that beast, dude. Um, it's it is a whole nother level, and I think it's a whole nother. You know, obviously, it involves so many other skill sets is yeah. the is the thing about it but dude what a powerful what a powerful team we could be out there together so please give that some serious consideration uh and you let me know when you when it gets uh when it gets firm in your head and I'll call the race director and uh get everything in alignment to uh to make that happen brother all you'll have to do is buy a plane ticket and we'll roll man yeah, that'll be great. Oh man, you just fired me up, dude. Look at you speaking it, you dude, speaking it out. Not Dad and Thomas ride again. <laughs> you're not a, you're not only speaking this out into the own little reality that you're surrounded by uh in your in your room there, but this is going out on these uh on these waves, dude, these media waves. This is gonna reach thousands of people. So that's a powerful statement, brother. I love it, man. <laughs> Bold. That's, that's, that's why I wanted you to come on today, man. Um, so first of all, I, I gotta, I gotta finish this up by thanking you, um, for being such a significant part of my own journey. Um, I don't know that you'll, I don't know that you quite grasp how big of a part of my journey you are. And I hope one day, if you haven't, I hope one day you, you can grasp it. Um, because without you there to set the example, without you there to, um, without your courage to utilize these, these tools. And, and so when I saw you that day, Thomas, when I saw you use these tools and really push through significant pain and breaking new ground every lap, you were breaking into new ground every lap. And I saw you thrive, man. Like that increased my faith and my belief in the power of the spoken word, in the power of those mantras on a level that I never could have achieved if it would not have been for you. So I have to thank you literally from everything in me, from the bottom of my heart, as cliche as that sounds. Thank you, brother. You're an amazing human being, man. Chad, you gave me one of the best experiences of my life. So I, it's, it's totally free. You know, everything that, that we experienced, it, it was meant to be, I think, you know, so I'm just glad that, you know, you were able to give me so much and that if, if my story is able to touch other people and inspire them, then, you know, I'm all the more honored, but it's just, it's a great thing. Uh, to to have been here on your podcast and uh to have shared that story with with uh your audience 
So thank you. I love it, brother. I love it. Thank you so much, Ian. This is the Three of Seven podcast. Enough said. This podcast was produced by Your Social Gathering. We hope you enjoyed. If you are looking to increase your digital marketing presence or elevate your digital assets, check us out at yoursocialgathering.com.